I get the yeah. whole you kind of built this baby and now it's kind of like my kid going off to college. Yeah. I don't, he doesn't need me to survive anymore. If I weren't here anymore, he would be fine and he would move on with his life and things would be good. And that makes me, makes me sad a little bit. Yeah. That's a really good metaphor. It shows that you've done your job as a parent, right? You created this being and gave it the skills to survive without you. Yep. And the, the same is true for a company or an application or can be true. Welcome to Working Code, and now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Hey friends, it's episode number 51, and on today's show we are going to talk about how you and you and I and we are all replaceable in our jobs, but first... We're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And Ben, what's going on with you, man? I'm going triumph. As I've talked about in the last couple of shows, I've been dedicating some time to improving and modernizing my blogging infrastructure. And as of this morning or yesterday morning, maybe, I have removed all inline database queries and Ooh. emails and anything else that was was typically old school. You know, in the early Cold Fusion communities, a lot of Pages were formatted where the top part of the page was the query and the logic, and then the bottom part was the view that, that rendered the data. But I've taken all of those queries and I've moved them into data access gateways, and those data access gateways are accessed by either services or a different kind of service that I refer to as a partial, and then business logic is wrapped up in these workflow components. So I'm pretty excited about that. It, it took me about two to three weeks to really clean everything up. But I don't know. I feel like it's actually kind of respectable code at this point, which three weeks ago, it was terrifying code. So (laughs) I'm super excited about that. Yeah. That's actually not a long time because, I mean, you've been working during the day at work, not working on this. So, I mean, this is just kind of like extra free time you were doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's a blog, so it doesn't do a whole lot. It was mostly rendering data. There's very little actual. You can create comments. And uh, I have some short URL, kind of tiny URL things. But uh, for the most part, it's all just pulling data out of the database, caching it, and then rendering it. But it's interesting. So what I realized is that in my early days of my career, I was super sensitive to trying to be very graceful in how I handled errors, where if, let's say, you were posting a comment and as part of the comment payload, you had to have the, the blog post ID that you were commenting to and your name and your email address and the comment itself. And if the ID of the blog post didn't exist, I'd have an error message. I'd have a collection of error messages. And the first error message would be like, oh, by the way, the blog you're trying to post to doesn't exist. And then if you didn't have an author name, I'd say, please enter your author name. And if you didn't have an email, I'd say, please enter an email. And it would all be in a collection of errors, and I would render the whole collection to the user. And as I've been modernizing it, I just, the first time anybody sends me anything that's not supposed to be there, I just throw an error. I'm just like, no, bad data. Just generic, bad error. Well, it, it, yeah. it still sends a reasonable error message, but I no longer try to collect a number of error messages before returning right. to the user. I basically, your inputs are bad. Here's why. Like, here's the first input that I hit that was bad. And then I exit out of the processing. I, I don't know why I was so focused early on in, in like trying to validate every part of the post before telling the user something was wrong. I think that there's a 
valid use case for doing that. Like in an enterprise app and you've got a, a screen with a whole bunch of fields on it, you don't want somebody to have to go through a submit 20 times before they can finally get it right. But on a blog, like yeah, leave yeah. a comment it's or to create a post, it's not that You're big good. of a deal. Plus, I feel like a lot of that stuff has moved to the client side these days where the client side will have some logic about, hey, you have to enter your name or you have to enter your comment before you can actually submit. So that by the time it gets to the server, all of the validation should have already been done. And now my job on the server is just to stop bad data. Like I'm preventing malicious behavior. So, so if you true. have anything that's bad, I'm just like, nope, rejected. <laughs> and it simplifies the code a whole lot. Oh, yeah. So I know. So it's, I'm pretty excited about that. I, my, as my next step, I want to start to maybe address some of the actual layout and CSS of it. It's all, it's not like table based anymore, but it's, I think it's float based. And I want that sweet flex box action <laughs> to start coming into play. Did you ever do the Frogger thing with Flexbox, the little uh, demo? Yeah. I've heard people talk about it, never seen it myself. It's really cool. Like it's super like nifty if you're trying to learn Flexbox. So yeah, yeah go Flexbox check it out. This is great. Oh yeah. Eh, I like Grid better. You don't what? like it? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Flexbox is fine. If I'm just doing something really simple, like I want I have two things in a row and I want just want them to be like centered with a certain gap or whatever. Flex is fine for that. But I feel like when you get into any sort of complex layout at all, uh, grid is just so much easier. Yeah, I haven't used grid. I haven't. So I, I, I use Flexbox today a lot because at work, we still have to support IE 11 on the legacy platform. And IE 11 has some, albeit a little bit buggy, but it has Flexbox support, whereas it, IE 11 has no grid support whatsoever. So if you wanted to use grid, you'd still have to have grid, but then it would have to gracefully degrade into something that was probably Flexbox based and it just gets complicated. I mean, even Google search doesn't support IE 11 anymore. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so dying for the day that we don't have to support it anymore. The new platform doesn't support it, but, but yeah, I think Flexbox is one of the best things since sliced bread. And uh, yeah, that's me. Carol, what about you? What do you got going on? So I'm going to go with the Triumph. It's a company Triumph. It's not a me Triumph, but it's for my company and it's for women in tech. So I'm just really happy about this. We announced internally today that we have hired our new executive vice president of engineering. And it is, I can't name it yet, name her yet because it's not like public yet, but it is a female and she is also minority. So it just makes me super happy to see someone step into a role that historically has been male driven and mm -hmm. male across the board. So I'm just excited for some different yeah, insight cool. and some different personalities up there. So it's going to be fun, fun to see what you she can do. You see so many companies that are obviously suffering from a lack of female leadership. Like you, you see a product comes out or a press release or something and it's like, did you not have a single woman look at this? Right. <laughs> There's something right. obviously sexist about it or whatever. And it's like, how are you, how did you, how did this get out of your company? How did it get so far? A yeah. Person? Yeah. Yep. I know. Believe me. Saw those before. <laughs> Heck yeah. I'll, I'll cool. tell you, I've had in my life, I think I've only had two female managers and they've been great. I am oftentimes more comfortable talking to female managers than I am to male managers. I don't know why that is. I feel like I can be less guarded. Maybe that's like some weird 
male machismo or I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I psychology just, I, is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Psychology is definitely weird. I feel like I can be more natural when my f- manager is female. Huh. Yeah. I used to tell people all the time I wasn't hired just to be an engineer. I was hired to be a mom. Because so many times it, I feel like I'm working with my kids. Not that the engineers are like children, but it's like you know, your kid comes to you and it's like, where are my socks at? Well, did mm. you look in your drawer? Like, did you look in the basket? Did you look in the laundry room? It's just the ability to problem solve the smallest things into like a solution that makes sense like to people. And to me, that's what a mom does. So I'm an engineer and mom to lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's me. What about you, Adam? Well, now I see. Now you're making me wish that you had a blog triumph because then it would be not only three triumphs, but three <laughs> blog triumphs. Related? Mine is oh, also blog sorry. related. That's okay. I forgive you. So it's not published at this moment while we're recording, but I'm like on the verge. I just drafted like a blog post to go with my blog sort of redesign, kind of moving to more of like a digital garden. And I made some somewhat significant changes to it. Like I'm dropping discuss for comments. I'm using something called web mentions instead, which is basically like if you tweet and link the, the post, it'll automatically show up as if it were a comment on the blog, that sort of thing. So i uh, pretty excited about all that. And one of the cool things that I got to play with, it was super easy to do, but it was just something I'd never done before. I was like, let me do this. I support dark mode on there. So now nice. if your system is set to dark mode, then you get a nice, very well-designed color scheme and everything. And the code samples look good in both light and dark mode. And it's just dumb as it is. I'm kind of proud of it all. Yo, because it, it's hard to do that kind of stuff. Dark mode is on my list of things that I want to explore. But it's like you have to unlock a bunch of things before that for dark mm. mode to even work. I mean, your classes need to make sense and whether or not you're using classes or CSS custom properties to drive the dark mode. And then you're talking about the code, all the code snippets also looking good in dark mode. Like, that's not super easy. No, it's not yeah. just flip it on. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that'll be, I, I expect even before this goes out to our early access patrons that I'll be publishing that. So no. yeah. Cool. Yo, how much spelt is in it? None. And that's one of the things. So yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong because I, so I kind of fell, for lack of a better word, let's just say I fell in love with Svelte eh, two weeks ago. This has, this redesign has been going on for like three months, just little bits here and there. And then of course, in like the last week or two, it's really like, okay, I'm so close. I just got to, I've been kind of burning the candle at both ends, going to bed at midnight or 1am or whatever, just to try and like cram as much work onto it as I possibly could and fix little things here and there. And a couple of days ago, I was like, Svelte would probably do most of this pretty good. And the, the rest of it, I'm sure, could be figured out. So I did take like one evening and I just started with Svelte. And there's like a, so have you heard of MDX? It's like Markdown, but you can do React yeah, in it. but we can do React, yeah. Yeah. So there's an MD Specs. Everything in Svelte is like <laughs> SV something. So there's an MD Specs. And so I tried to put together a blog using all of that. And it's 99% fine, but then there's just a couple of little things that I was having some trouble with. So I set it aside. I'll come back to it. Maybe that'll be in the future. And that's one of the things that I really like about these things that we're talking about is having a blog not only gives you the opportunity to write, but it gives you the opportunity and a project that you can tinker on you continuously. Know, a thousand percent. One of the things that we talk about or, or that some people talk about is you know, I want to work on something. I need a side project, but I don't know what to build. Well, write your own blog. It's not something you should do because it's a 
good use of your time to like put another blogging platform out in the world. But it is something that it's good for you to do because it gives you an opportunity to flex those muscles, practice and try new things. And it's like a playground where you can learn stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. For example, as part of the refactoring that I've been doing, I I was using the less CSS command line tool to Mm -hmm. compile my less. And I wanted to start playing around with auto prefixer, which is Mm -hmm. a post CSS plugin, which essentially for things that have vendor prefixes where you might have to say have dot moz or dot webkit before your CSS property to get them to work right. You can just write vanilla CSS. And then after the CSS compiles, the post CSS auto prefixer evaluates your CSS and injects those prefixes where needed. And I couldn't figure out how to do it with just the less CSS compiler. So I ended up moving over to Parcel.js to do the less compilation. And then that like automatically has post CSS, I think, built into it. And I, all I had to do was just install auto prefix and it just like kablamo worked. And yeah, so you just get to experiment with all these little things. It's really fun. Yep. Cool, cool. All right. So who are we going to replace first? <laughs> well, while we're talking about replaceable, if anyone's Actually, looking for a job, we're hiring. We can okay. go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Not head a over VP th- of engineering, I hope. Nope, nope. That one's taken now. But we do have several <laughs> engineering roles open right now, and one of them is React. So, yeah, if you want to go do some React, we're open for you. Open. Do you wanna, so how would somebody yeah, get in touch uh, with you if they wanted to apply? Yeah. It's clearcapital.com. And over on the right-hand side, there is a join us. And then just go to corporate jobs and look for engineering. Cool. And all of the engineering roles are now available remote that are currently listed. So that's been a new change in our company. So, yep. And is there any specific, like, is this open to people who live outside the United States? Are there specific time zones you're looking for or avoiding? Nope. I mean, as far as I know, it's open to anyone. We are looking for talent. So, yeah. That's the way to do it. So if you're wanting to jump over, let me know. Well, good luck. And actually, before we jump into the topic for today, I wanted to mention last week, obviously, if you listened, we didn't have Tim on the show with us. And you've probably realized he's not on the show with us again this evening. And that's just a scheduling thing. Nothing going on. We're not replacing Tim. But yeah, I don't know. He, he's got some we? stuff going on. He dun, couldn't dun, make dun. it. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess we'll find no. out next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So okay, cool. Everybody's replaceable. Everyone is replaceable. And they should be. Yeah. It's so hard, though. It's so hard. I remember going on vacation, and I don't take a lot of vacation. It just doesn't, I don't know. I don't know how to relax. So I remember going on vacation for like a week and a half one time a couple of years ago. And I'm one of those people who, even when I'm on vacation, I'm just occasionally checking my Slack, mostly because I like to know that what's going on. Like, I just like to have my finger on the pulse of the company and the people on my team and who's doing what. And I find it very interesting. But when I came back, it's like everything was fine. There were no fires. There weren't any huge incidents. So there was, my absence did not cause a problem. So yeah, so that was kind of sad for me. Uh, part of me always wants to feel like the work that I do is indispensable. That mm-hmm. even though there are other people who can do the things that I do, I like to think that I can do them in an extra special way or I could, or I bring a combination of skills together and I apply them to problem solving in a way that maybe other people can't do. And that may be true, but it, it's not true to the point that work stops when I leave. And it's very humbling. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you and I both started 
as early stage employees at a really small company and the companies are growing at different rates, but they're growing. And I think that your feelings that you're expressing there are very much influenced by the, those years where you, like in the early days, in the first year, if you had walked away, there's probably a really good chance that would have had a significant negative impact on the company, if not killed it, right? Like, I don't know how, how long it was before you guys got funding and really staffed up, but. That's a great point. It, in none of my self-evaluation did it occur to me that I was maybe actually super critical at one point, And now I'm no longer that. That's, that's a great point. If I had come into a larger company that was very established, mm-hmm. yeah, would I feel this way? After time, I'd like to think that I feel this way, but I think you're right. I think my early experience at a tiny startup where everybody was to some degree critical because we were always understaffed and overburdened and everything was mm-hmm. on fire all the time. It's like, you just need people to show up. You need bodies there to get the stuff done. But right now people can take vacations and even if something explodes, like there's people there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then there's, it's also a little freeing. Like I can understand how it's, it kind of, Maybe it hurts your pride or something. It would hurt my pride and it does hurt my pride to think about how I used to be mission critical, <laughs> keystone sort of player. And now I've had to sort of relinquish some of that status for lack of a better word. But at the same time, it's a little bit freeing, right? So it, it's, that's a stressful state of mind to be in, to, to know I have to do this or this company that I don't have anything against is going to crumble without me. I mean, it's that I think is a little bit of uh, hubris or like, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, maybe it's true to an extent, that sort of thing. But I'm sure there's at least an element of truth to it in the beginning there. And to lose that or to give it up willingly is a big change and, and a lot to change the way you think and feel about. Yeah. I mean, I brought it up the last episode, I believe it was, when we were talking about promotions and responsibilities and stuff. I've been in a spot where it felt like if I walked away, things were going to crumble. And Mm -hmm. it was not a good feeling. Like That is very stressful and you carry that home with you every night. And when I finally did leave, I mean, customers were calling me personally and begging me to not leave because they were worried about the, like the state of their systems after I left. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) can't play this card on me. Right. I have to make these decisions for myself, but now to be able to take a week vacation and not even have the urge to check Slack. I love that. I want no (laughs) responsibility. You guys, life's just easier that way, but I get what you're saying. I get the whole you kind of built this baby and now it's kind of like my kid going off to college. Yeah, I don't, he doesn't need me to survive anymore. I don't have to make sure that he has his four course meal and he's eating a balanced breakfast. He's doing it himself. And sometimes that does make me sad that he doesn't have a need for me anymore. If I weren't here anymore, he would be fine and he would move on with his life and things would be good. And that makes me makes me sad a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good metaphor. It shows that you've done your job as a parent, right? You created this being and gave it the skills to survive without you. Yep. And the the same is true for a company or an application or can be true. Oh, I I believe so. Yeah. I mean, if you think of it like that, Ben, you took your baby and you set it up well and it's doing okay now. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying makes total sense. And actually, I read a book maybe a year ago called the unicorn project or no was it the phoenix project 
They're sequels. One's The Phoenix Project and one's The Unicorn Project. They're really good books, by the way. It's fiction based on good programming practices at a company. Okay, I'll have to check this out. It sounds weird. It's basically, I mean, I listen to them as audiobooks. And it's essentially a company that's really struggling. And they bring in this consultant to help figure out why nobody's hitting their deadlines and why products aren't shipping. And they look at the uh, team organization and the responsibilities. And anyway, like one of the things that they talk about is there's this one guy who's critical, super, super critical. And and he does things that no one else can do. So he basically becomes a bottleneck uh, Mm. for a lot of the work. And I, it's like part of me wants to be that guy, <laughs> but then part of me also understands how destructive that is actually for getting things done as a company is scaling up. Yep. Absolutely. But then I think also maybe I can find a sweet spot where I'm not, I don't have to worry about being replaceable per se as an engineer, but I can still have a persona and a way of interacting with other teams that makes me let's say, more valuable than a common engineer. I don't, I'm not choosing my words there properly, but I think, I don't know, I guess I just have this need. There's some like carnal need for me to be special in some to way. Be, to be needed. To be needed. You have a need hmm. to be needed. Yeah, it's very, it's very alluring, this idea that there, there is something that I do that is critical. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you and I are, I think, especially, Ben, um, looking at this, from the perspective of like a startup business. And and I definitely don't have that. So Right. Yeah, you're yeah. working at a really big company. But I think part of that job when you work for a startup, yes, you're building the application and the business, but you're also building, the, the job should be to build yourself out of that critical role. Yeah. Right. I agree. And so it's a measure of success too. And, and I think there's also a, definitely a degree of insecurity that fuels this feeling. Because we, we talked about this a little bit last episode where when I look at other people at the company who are doing things that I can't do, whether it's sales or marketing or interacting with humans, I validate my own feeling, not validate, it's not the right word, but I feel comfortable in my own skin by thinking that I'm also doing things that other people can't do. Now, that's not necessarily mm-hmm. geared towards engineers, but right. the fact that I'm doing engineering stuff that other non-engineers can't do is underscored when there's few engineers. But when there's a lot of engineers that could do the things that I do, even though I'm doing stuff that other people can't do, there's still a lot of people that can do the stuff that I do. So I think it makes me feel a little insecure from a broader scope in the company. But a lot of people can't bridge the gap. I'm not sure I followed all that. Well, I mean, if I take it right, like I think you're saying, okay, I can write code, but I can also go dig in to say something with DevOps. Like I could work I can be a bridge in between multiple things where other engineers may only be able to just write code and not understand the other side of what's happening with this application. Well, I think that's definitely part of it. Like that's how, that's how I see myself for sure. But, but just going back to Adam, you're saying you didn't, you weren't quite understanding what I was saying. It's like, if I can't lead a team, for example, right? Let's say I I don't feel comfortable as a director or CTO or something. I can still write code. And maybe someone who's in a managerial position can't write the code that I can write. So that's how I feel good about myself. But if I'm standing next to a whole bunch of other people who can also write code mm-hmm. the same way that the director can't write code, like that, that I'm not really that special. Mm, I see, I see. I'm not saying this is a healthy perspective, to be clear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, okay, so my other point 
a view on it, though, is if you're not replaceable, you're also not promotable. You're stuck in this mm. position forever because if you can't be replaced, you can't go anywhere. Mm. You have That's nowhere really to good. grow. You have nowhere to move on to. And you always have the same type of responsibility on your plate forever because eventually they're going to stop giving you new things to do and new things to learn because you already have so much that nobody else can do that they're not going to want you doing anything else new. So you can't go up. You're stuck completely stale where you're at in the same spot. That's a really good point. You should mentor people to do what you're doing so that you can keep growing in what you want to be doing. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because I think I've actually run into some flavor of that in the past where when the company was very small and everybody was scrambling trying to get their work done. We had this, it was almost a running joke for a while where we would hire somebody new and then immediately put them on some new mission critical part of the software before they really even understood the culture or the way the code worked. But we had to do that because everybody else was super busy. So there was nobody that we could sort of hire up internally in the company. And that's Uh, why. Yeah. It's really interesting to say that. You can't promote people. Okay. Well, if I may, I'd like to kind of look at this from the inverse angle. From our perspective as the employees, I think that we should view our employers as replaceable. Oh, yeah. You guys know I do. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's just a healthy thing that I think we should encourage. Like, I think there are people who know this and demonstrate it by changing jobs every couple of years. And I think that there's another segment of the population out there who feel trapped because maybe this is their first job and they don't understand the mobility that they have, right? right? Like once you've proven that you're capable of keeping a job in this industry for a year or two, that pretty much shows that it's worth taking a chance on you. So that's not to say that you could get a job anywhere, but it is going to bump you ahead of somebody who's never had a programming job. Probably in most cases. So now I wouldn't advocate for somebody to quit their job without having another job lined up. Oh, I agree with that. Unless you're financially sound. Yes. It doesn't hurt to look. Yeah. I wish we could all be that lucky. It's interesting. So one of the podcasts I listen to is Soft Skills Engineering Radio. Mm -hmm. Just Soft Skills Engineering. Yep. And and their patented advice is quit your job. Yep. It's it's basically a QA show and everyone who calls up or everyone who writes in the advice is you should quit your job. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they point out is that engineers often have this overstated assumption that the company will be devastated if they leave. So there's yeah. all this tension around going to your boss and telling them that you're going to want to move on. And they're always like, dude, they'll be fine. You're going to yep. tell them and they're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there may be, if you've developed friendships and relationships mm-hmm. with the people at that company, there's going to be some disappointment between you. But you got to look at it from the company's perspective. If they don't have enough money to pay everybody, one of the things that they're going to be looking to do is cut expenses. And one of the ways they can cut expenses is by laying people off. And they might feel bad about it, but that's not going to stop them from doing it, right? Like the company has to survive. And so in even in that most basest of forms, everybody's expendable. Yeah. Yeah, my thought is that I put in a lot of heart and a lot of really hard work into the application that I'm writing. I go out of my way to make sure things are done right. I care a lot about quality. And if I'm going to put that much effort into what I'm doing and into a job that or into a system that this 
overhead is making a lot of money on, they should be putting the same amount of effort into me as an employee and into my team and into the application that we're writing. And if they're not able to do that, then I'm totally okay bailing and finding someone who is. Yeah. You know, I was just sitting here thinking there's a, I've mentioned in the past, Amy Hoy, who's like an entrepreneur and also like a a business coach type person. I don't know what she would describe herself as, but that's how I think of her. And she teaches people how to start businesses and how to do it right and do it well. And one of the things that she likes to say is that when you are working for a company, you've basically got all your eggs in that basket. If they fire you, then you're kind of screwed and you have to go find another job and you may not get any notice. But if you choose to work for yourself and there's a a zillion different ways you could do that, but let's just say consulting, right? And you go and you hire 20 to 30 or not higher, but you know what I mean? Like uh, sign contracts mm-hmm. with 20 to 30 different companies to, to give them part of your time or whatever it is that you're doing. And one of them chooses to let you go. It's like, okay, that's fine. I've got 19 or 29 other companies here. I'm going to survive right. and maybe I'll have a down week or two here or there, but I'll find somebody to, to fill in that gap. And I think that makes a lot of sense, right? It, it diversifies your livelihood, which is a good thing. And it makes me wonder too, I don't know. There's definitely benefits to working for a single company, but I think that those benefits are put there by the companies because they want that loyalty. They want you to to give them that much of your time. What if it was normal to work for three or four companies, right? To work for four companies for 10 hours a week, right? Like if that was the norm and and let's just say here in America, and if you didn't have to get health insurance from your employer and your employer didn't have to pay for that sort of thing, right? Like the idea of, I feel like so much workplace angst is because people feel tied to their jobs because they know I've got a rent check coming due at the beginning of the month or whatever. And like, I don't have time to find another job and I have to work 60 hours a week at this job sort of thing. I feel like if we normalized working for more than one place, it would relieve a lot of that pressure. And I think you would see a lot more startups happen because startups don't have the funding to do full-time people, but people need full-time jobs (laughs) in order to provide for their families where they might be able to afford me for 10 hours a week if this were more common. Right. I actually like and this I, idea. I think to some degree, side hustles play this role for a large portion of people, right? Like I have some side hustles. I have my book and we've mm-hmm. been talking about this workshop that I'm going to do. And Yeah, but up until the last few months of my life, I've not had time for side hustle. I mean, my yeah, time has no, been not, not dedicated to, to family. So if this were Monday through Friday, that'd be great. I'd be on board for that. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. You'd be exposed to different kinds of things too, which is Absolutely. nice. Absolutely. Yep. One of the drawbacks that I have of not only working at the same company for a long time, but working on the same project within that company for a really long time is it's always the same. Mm-hmm. And I can find ways to improve it and to modernize it and to refactor it, but fundamentally it's the same problem. And if I were working at multiple places, it could be all different kinds of exciting things. I mean, I guess this is people talk about working at uh, an agency where Mm -hmm. the agency then contracts with a lot of companies. So even though you're working for the agency all the time, the agency then contracts you out essentially to a bunch of different companies. And and people will say that they really enjoy that getting to start something new every eight months. But do they do that with engineers, like with software engineers? Yeah, I I did that for a while. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing in our field. Like I've seen it with nurses and yeah, I was a consultant, like office staff people, but not. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you use those types of resources differently, right? So when I did it, I was a consultant and I would get hired. Most of the time, it was like they would bring in four to six of us for a big project that they didn't have the resources to do in-house. And the project would last anywhere from eight weeks to eight months. And it was just kind of like a way to, you know, burn down that backlog really fast. And then the project would end and we'd go and we'd move on to another project for another customer. And they might have us back or might not. But yeah, I mean, and for us, we were very specifically targeting like our stack. So we would, it was a cold fusion shop or my team was a cold fusion consulting team. (laughs) (laughs) And so we would like find customers who had cold fusion and needed somebody to do some maintenance on their site or build new features or whatever. And do that work for them. I, one of my first jobs at this place was updating all the security practices for a and like a big e-commerce shop. That the, this particular shop ended up getting bought by One Eight Hundred Flowers. It's a big, big oh wow business. Cool. And they had all of their passwords in clear text in the database, and so that was like oh. the first thing that I did <laughs> was fix that. So, oh boy, <laughs> those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> That actually is, that gives me a little bit of anxiety. The thought of having to step into a project that I know nothing about the system, work for mm-hmm. them for say eight weeks and then just walk away. I, it would, I don't know that I could just let go and be like, dude, all right, go on something else. Like I would want to know the outcome of it. I don't think it's just eight weeks because that's all they can afford. I think it's more like eight weeks because that's all it takes to do it, right? An eight-week engagement would be like the project is really small or, I mean, I guess in that case, it would have to be really small anyway, but there's a couple of different ways it could happen. Like you could be starting it from scratch or you could be finishing something somebody else started, in which case you need more time to figure out what's already there. What the heck was there, yeah. Right, but I don't remember ever doing a project and not seeing it to completion as a consultant. All right. That's a little better. That's a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there is something very valuable to being on the same project for a long time. I mean, as much as it's appealing to jump from project to project, you learn different lessons from having to live with your mistakes for a long time. Mm -hmm. It also encourages clean code and like paying down your own technical debt. Yeah. Because you're going to have to live with this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love when we're in story time and we're going through like what's coming up in the next week's work or whatever. And someone will bring up a random thing that's in work. And we're like, none of us have any idea. And there are two or three guys on the team where they're like, well, back in the day, here's the story for it. And I'm like, I'm so glad we have the historians because if you don't have that history of it, you don't know. And you spend all this time trying to figure out why it didn't work or why we wrote it that way. And they can just jump in and give you that information. It's amazing when you have that history on your team. Yeah, 100%. Well, this episode of Working Code is brought to you by non-fungible developers. That's NFDs. <laughs> and listeners like you, if you like what we're doing here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash pod. And you can do that for as little as $4 a month. And all of our patrons get access to our after show and they get that early uh, as soon as it's done being edited, which is fun for us and fun for you. Of course, we need to thank our top patrons, Monty and Peter. Thank you guys so much for your support. And if patronizing podcasts isn't your thing, no worries. We appreciate that you just take the time to listen. It would also really help us out if you left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. 
please send us your questions and show topics on Twitter or Instagram at Working Code Pod, or leave us a message at 512-253-2633. That's 512-253-CODE. Or join our Discord, which you can do by going to workingcode.dev slash Discord. And you can not only uh, ask us questions and give us topic ideas, but you can interact with the rest of the listening community there. Heck yeah. Been a lot of people joining and, and a lot of fun conversations going on in there. So you might want to get in on that. We'll catch you next week. And until then, your heart matters. And that's not replaceable. <laughs> but apparently, Tim is. <laughs> we'll see. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.